Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, and welcome to episode number five of the Danny Button MMA Show, only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Sai, and uh, we have new podcasts three times a week at least. This week, particularly, we I think we've got one, two, three, four coming, maybe five coming. So we nearly got one every uh, every day of the week. This week is going to be very busy. We've got uh, our weekly Andy Campbell Show Monday, which is actually going live on YouTube at seven pm. Then we've got Tuesday this uh what tuesday we've got a royal rumble show wednesday we've got this thursday we've got an andy campbell show extra where we're discussing the book the killing of emiliano sala with ex four uh, premier league footballer andy campbell and uh yeah so lots of shows coming up and uh, we've also got an unscripted and uncensored show with uh, modestus who is the current cage warriors light heavyweight champion uh, but probably not for much longer, as he recently signed with the uh, UFC, as we discussed it in the last show. So send all your questions in for Modestus. We'll be uh, we'll be getting that show recorded very soon. Uh, joining me today to talk uh, UFC Rally, uh, Chris Cyborg, Brett Johns, and uh, last night's MMA is uh, former Cage Warriors featherweight champion, Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome, buddy. How are you? Yes, I'm good, Sai. Uh, it's been another good weekend of fights. It was. It was. Uh, it was a good one last night because it's like sometimes when you have these shows which are not like the the big pay of pay per views, a lot of the time the fighters who are fighting they've um, they got something to prove where mm-hmm. they've you know they may have lost a fight or they've coming back from a, an injury or a layoff and it can make for some really entertaining fights. Yeah, yeah, I think they're looking you know, to get back on the pay per views at the end of the day, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, styles make fights at the end of the day, and uh, I just think you know, if two people are going to match up really well, it can create an amazing grapple match, amazing wrestling match, amazing strike match. It just depends, really. Um, so sometimes with all the hype that you get on these, um, you know, really hot, you know, top level matches where you get a lot of hype. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a, a really good fight. It's just a lot of anticipation that builds up beforehand, isn't there? So, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the female bouts, which um, are getting more and more exposure now, and so they should. Um, but, you know, they, they've still been slightly off uh, the, the main card compared to the men, 
but uh, I really enjoy watching the women's bouts. I think they're, they're great, really entertaining to watch. Um, they seem to throw a lot more technique uh, regards striking, takedowns, attempts, grapples and scrambles because they're not so physically strong and they can't be outright uh, as dominant like some guys can be over each other. You get some brilliant matches with the female bouts and, and just like the ones that were uh, last night, they were really good to watch. Yeah, they've got to, like you say, they focus more on technique because they haven't got the strength to to do like what a Michael Chiesa did where he, you know, he just yeah. dominated with his, uh, yeah. his size as well yeah. as his, obviously his, technique um so just before we go into the the ufc show um i wanted to touch on uh chris cyborg uh, who obviously made a bellator debut uh, last yes. night uh with a win over julia bud which yes. means that she's uh, got the the grand slam of uh, women's featherweight titles she's uh, yeah. strike force ufc bellator that's right yeah everywhere um yeah yeah um, yeah, really, really enjoyed this fight. Um, you know, both big hitters, both very physically strong. Um, it just seemed, you know, a, a thing that was becoming established was that Cyborg was just a little bit more explosive. Um, I, I think she gave away a little bit of size, maybe even to to Bud. But yeah, the theme did seem to be she just seemed to have more energy about her. Um, it re- really was quite impressive, but really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we saw Alan with some really, you know, uh, sorry, Alan. We saw, you know, Bud trying to use some some nice footwork, um, but she just getting kept getting closed up, didn't she? And um, Cyborg was going for the clinch quite a lot, which you know was really quite surprising me. You know, I thought she would want her to stay and bang, but she seemed to be trying to fight a smarter fight, and she, um, you know, she scored some nice takedowns in that first round. I was quite surprised. Yeah, but I think she um, perhaps learned some lessons from her loss losses to yeah. Nunes just where she instead of was like kind of standing and banging like she's done for so many years she uh you know she went for a bit more uh, in the clinch mm-hmm. my, my 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 main problem with with the uh, kind of female featherweights and Chris Cyborg is it does feel sometimes like there isn't there you know there's just not many fighters uh, at that yeah. weight in the mm. female divisions in any of the companies um and you kind of saw that with the UFC where they kind of created the featherweight division. Cyborg won it. Yeah. And then just they had to keep moving women up mm. to that weight to fight her. And obviously, yeah. you know, it's the big fight uh, in the women's division with, you know, since Ronda Rousey's left and, and mm. some of the others. Um, and then eventually, obviously, Nunes came in and, and beat her twice. And, she let, yeah. and she's gone to Bellator and, you know, she's picked up that. That uh, that winning thread again, but yeah. it's just trying to find fighters. I'm sure there's women out there who will take the fight. Yeah, but it's trying to find one which where she's sure. not. You know, it's not a mismatch if you like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, you know, it wasn't a mismatch by any stretch. From no, what I, no, what I, I didn't see. think it was. But um, but she was just getting ahead in all scenarios. Um, she she was just striking with that little bit more ferocity. She seemed a little bit physically stronger in that clinch and um, to seem more experienced in that whole clinch game. And uh, our ground showed some some good skills too. Um, yeah, really entertaining to watch. It was good and a really great finish. Um, it was real ferocious. It really it was. was. Brutal, wasn't it? That, it was, uh, the yeah. one shot in the, in the middle. Uh, yeah. Like, part of me is a little bit disappointed that she left the UFC because I feel like Mm. Uh, it yeah. wasn't like a business decision. It was more of a, 
kind of they fell out and it was a personal thing mm. um but then equally she fought Nunes twice and you know she mm. got beaten fairly fairly comfortably and then maybe I'm not sure if she, they were struggling to find people but mm. you'd think that there would be plenty of women from the what's what's the next weight down from the featherweight for the women uh, well, they got the bantamweight bantamweight so you'd think there'd be a fair share of those bantamweights who would be happy to fight Chris Cyborg. You yeah. know, she's she's about as big a name as you're going to get outside mm-hmm. of you know, like your Nunes and that. So it'd be interesting to see uh, where Bellator go with her next. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is going to be interesting. Um, it's good to see her still getting up in the mix with fighters. It's she's always a great fighter to watch. Um, I've yeah. always been a big fan of hers. Um, you know, for many years she was always fighting people that were nowhere near as good as her but you know she's being pushed now um you know and, and it's unfortunate it's coming towards what you would consider her twilight years now you know she's not a young young chick anymore but she's if she carries on performing like she did on bellator you know she could be in it for a good number of years she's really good she's, she seems to be keeping herself in extremely good shape yeah it'll be uh her, the thing with her fights, they're, they're always entertaining. Regard, you know, whoever she fights, even yeah. when she was cleaning people out in, you know, a few a few seconds or minutes, yeah. they were still, you know, always entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um. So she's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um. So just before we move over to UFC, did you watch any of the other Bellator fights? Was there anything which caught your eye? Uh, no, I didn't. Just really because of the limitation on my time today. Yeah, um, that's it. You know, I, I struggled to fit through the ones that I know we got to cover. Yeah, um, yeah. Hence, hence, we started a little bit later today. But um, yeah, no, I didn't get to. But I will certainly get to ha- have a look at them. Not that that helps us now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I was the same. I watched the Chris Cyborg fight, but just didn't have enough enough hours in the day. Yeah, to, yeah. To catch just, up on everything. Too, too limited. I'm being a taxi driver for my kids. Yeah, I know, that, feel, know that feeling. Know that feeling very well. Um, so over in the uh, uh, UFC rally, uh, so I had the, the novelty last night, Saturday night. Of uh, I watched the prelims at an actual mm. decent time, so mm. like UK time for us. I was I watched Brett Johns come on about half ten, I think. Which yeah, was that was nice because I don't really get to see a lot of them live yeah. because I, I just can't. I never make it to you know four or five in the morning morning uh sure. but so brett john's fought on the the prelims he's hasn't won since 2017 which on paper you know that sounds terrible sounds worse yeah yeah but he's been out and he the last two fights he fought was um aljermain sterling and what was the other one I've forgotten now off the top of my head i think it was pedro pedro noon mm. oh, i've forgotten who it was but yeah aljermain sterling you know they're top top name top names yeah, uh, in in that bantamweight division, mm. uh, I think you know he was keen to to get back that, to that winning thread sure. when um, when we had him on the show. He was you know he was quite honest. He said he felt like if he didn't win, that might be it for him in the UFC. Yeah. You know he yeah. put a lot of pressure on himself, but um, you could see even watching like I watched a couple of the interviews in the run up this week, very focused, um, and I sort of spoke to him via text last weekend mm. and um you know he was real focused real good shape he'd been out in america for a couple of weeks yeah um and you could tell by the way he came in he was you know he was pumped up and ready to go um so yeah so in the prelims it was brett johns versus uh 
Tony Gravely, who was uh, making his UFC debut as well. Um, yes. What did you uh, What did you make of it? Oh man, it was so good to see such an exciting grapple match. Um, not just grappling in terms of the ground, but with the wrestle grappling up against that cage. It was um, it was one reversal after another. Super exciting. There was um, there was both taking each other's back, which we know is like a KO scenario um, for for grapplers. Um, oh man, it, it, it was just. It was so, so exciting. We couldn't take your eye off the screen. No. Because you was just going to... I mean, you take your eye off the screen with strikers, you, you, you'll miss a few strikes. But it's like that with the wrestling exchanges. You, you would miss some kind of big throw or nice level drop into a back take. It was so exciting. But, um, you know, John's got uh, an early attempt at a submission. I think he really wanted to try and bag this guy away. He tried for, a, a, like, a double wrist um, a guillotine. The only unfortunate thing is that you don't have much control over the body. And so... Um, yeah, you know, got he got switched out on that and then got taken down himself, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but you know, the back take come up quite early, didn't he? I was thinking, wow, you know, <laughs> this is just just as just nuts. I thought we was going to perhaps see an early finish, but that didn't happen, did it? No, gravelly. I thought um, for someone who was making his debut as well, um, he was obviously he got put under pressure early with the, yes. the, the choke attempt, and mm. and they sort of exchanged and reversed uh, some some holes. Um, yeah, and I thought he did quite well just in that first round, just to keep yeah. his cool. Um, you know, it was his first UFC fight; it was a big night for him. Yeah, um, and particularly at certain points in that first round, John's wanted that early finish. Yeah, and um, you know, if Gravely had panicked, or you know, let just let the blood rush to his head a little bit, and sure. you know, just taking his eye off the board, he could have been finished. Um, yeah. and I thought he did well just to just to slow it down a bit. I say slow yeah. it down. It never really slowed down. They just mm. exchanged uh, takedowns and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, I, I would have been interested to know who had the most tired legs at the end of that first round. Yeah. Gravely was obviously having to try and support him as a backpack um, throughout you know a majority of the round. But by the same token, you know uh, Brett was having to like squeeze those legs all, all the time to hold the positions. Um, I, I don't know who was suffering more in that in, in that scenario. But it, it, it obviously didn't affect either of their legs because they went straight at it in the following round. Um, it, it, was, it was just great. Um, it's one of those fights that I'm going to go back and have to have a, have a second or maybe even a third look, um, maybe to learn some combinations myself. But, um, you know, Brett really impressed me with the, the throw that he did. It, it was a lovely step right across that thigh and, and really launched him. And um, I was really impressed. The, the defining difference, I, I think, particularly with that first round and, and maybe as a theme throughout the, the whole fight was that, you know, Tony Gravely was doing some, some great wrestling takedowns, but he wasn't controlling the position very well. Um, I just felt that whenever Brett was succeeding with some takedowns, he had a little bit more control um, and was making more of it. And I think that became the defining difference uh, between the two. Yeah, I think, like you say, it was almost a bit like... Um... Like gravity was would would take him down, or he would reverse it and get Brett down, mm. and he wasn't progressing. Then from there, that's um, right, yeah. And obviously, Brett's accomplished, uh, you know, with jujitsu and grappling, so he was able to kind of wriggle out. Or to there was a couple of points, particularly in the set. I think it was the second round where I started to get a little bit worried. You're not for long. Just at certain points, I was like, oh, 
Yeah. Gravelly looked like he had him in a good position. Yeah, he did. Um, he, he had Johns' back, didn't he? And it yeah. looked a bit sticky for him. But again, I thought, Brett, again, he similar to Gravelly in the first round where you think, where I said that Gravelly could have panicked or he could have, uh, you know, in in that kind of heat of the moment mm-hmm. thing made a mistake. Yeah. I feel like Brett could have done that because he'd put so much pressure on himself where he gave up his back. If he had made a sure. mistake, you know, Gravelly could have could have progressed and finished it from there. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, but I think uh, did uh, gravelly. I think he fell off his back, didn't he? Yeah, he, he wriggled. I think part. he wriggled underneath. Yeah, um, he, he fell out, and then what was good as he scrambled back to his feet, uh, Brett Johnson dropped levels on him really nicely. It was a really yeah, nice real exchange. Quick. Very, very sharp thinking wrestling exchanges. Um, yeah, impressed me. Yeah, my uh, my so my father-in-law. He's um he's a, a very casual uh, MMA fan. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting him more and more into it. So I obviously, because he was a Welsh boy fighting, I said to him, oh, Brett's been on the show. You know, he's fighting a half, half 10. I would give it a watch. And he was, he really, really enjoyed it, which yeah. a lot of casual fans, they don't enjoy the grappling type matches. They much prefer, you know, they prefer the strikes and the, and yeah. the exciting. And I think that shows how exciting this match was. Um, yeah. I felt like Brett easily, not easily, but I th- felt like it, a 10-9 for the first round for Brett. Yes, I agree. And I, I think Gray Gravely may have pinched the second round, maybe. Yeah, you, the, you but I think it was close. That he did. Yeah, it was very close, much closer. But you could say that going into that third round, um, I'd imagine from both corners, they're saying it would be 1-1. One, one. You, yeah. you both got to yeah, go out yeah. and take this third round. I thought Brett um, was very, very impressed. That third round, I thought, was really impressive. Uh, I thought he yeah. showed his condition was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, you know, um, again, a little bit of lack of control with Gravely's takedowns. He took him down with like a head restraint type hold, uh, but it gave him no control of the body whatsoever. And, um, you know, so he, he was um, losing out to a lot of scramble escapes. Um, and of course, you know, Brett was just countering straight away. He was giving him no time to think. He was straight back, you know, doing a takedown of his own. Um, got on his back, didn't he, again? And, um, but this time, I think it began to wear on. Uh, Antonio and also Brett had had some experience of being on his back and changed it up a little bit. He's really trying to sprawl him out, wasn't he? Yeah, he's and, trying um, to flatten thought, him out. Yeah, he really trying to flatten him out. I think it's an absolute good call. But he had to, a, a partial like body triangle. The mm. problem with a body triangle is you can't really sprawl out both both legs. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's not very nice on your your diaphragm because it it really squeezes your life out of you. But it, it just stops that impressive ground and pound. I think if you had two hooks and sprawled him out, he would have been able to hip right in and get more height and leverage on those shots to maybe cause a referee referee stoppage a little quick a little quicker possibly. But you know, he still got the job done. You know, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. It was Absolutely. it was still great. But as yeah. soon as he had the once he got that body triangle on, I thought Michael Bispin, uh, who I really enjoyed actually all 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 uh, show, uh, yeah. he called it perfectly at the right time. He, he said. As he was, uh, you know, he, was, he had the body triangle and he was striking him. And he said, the problem with this is, is once you start, when you have to defend the strikes and you're worrying about the strikes, is you, yeah. leave, you leave that gap for the for him to go for the choke. And literally, sure. as he said it, he was striking him. He yeah, lifted yeah. his arms to, you know, to cover up, which he had to do because if he if he hadn't have covered up, the ref would have stopped it for the strikes. Yeah. And as yeah, as agreed. He, he, he was on that. point with his commentary um, last night. Um, I enjoyed listening to him. No, you can t- clearly see see has become a real, true, educated um, fighter and commentator. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly right. He was throwing shots. He was having to think about submissions as well as strikes. And um, eventually it got overwhelming for him. You know, fatigue steps in as well. That becomes a factor. So he had pressure. This is his first fight in UFC. And he's trying to defend chokes. It becomes system overload a little bit for him in that third round. But I'm just so happy for Brett. Um, hopefully it's going to be the start of a turnaround of those you know, unfortunate two losses that he had, which I think people are making a big hoo-ha about. You know, that well, was against very, very good guys. His career before that was incredible. Um, he's had those two blips and he's back to winning ways. And I think you're going to see more of that in uh, coming, coming fights for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, what people forget is obviously they look at it on paper. He's lost two fights. He lost two fights to two of the top guys in the division. But also, yeah. he didn't get cleaned out or he didn't, you know, he didn't disgrace himself. He wasn't beaten terribly. He did quite well in those fights. He mm-hmm. just lost, which, you know, is, is fighting that can happen against yeah. anyone. Um, and I, like how, I thought I was particularly impressed with Brett last night. And I do wonder whether that's because, you know, he's been on the show and I could, I, I speak to him and so I was very much wanted him to win, but I did think he was very impressive. His conditioning really impressed yep. me. He didn't look. Oh uh, yeah. Rest, I can tell you now, wrestling, struggling. wrestling is one of the most exhausting ranges. And then you add strikes into the fact that you're wrestling and submissions. Trust me, that was all up against the fence. That was, that was grueling in a, in, in a very different way to what perhaps we'd normally see in, in terms of USC. But, um, yeah, his condition was good. His um, fight IQ was on point. Um, I was totally impressed. There wasn't really anything negative to say. It was great. Um, I can't wait to see more of him. I really can't. No, and I think he's capable of you know pushing up that those rankings. Uh, and like it, it was interesting what you said. Like the first round, he really pushed for that that finish in the first round. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned fight IQ. The second mm-hmm. round, Gravely, you know, got himself together a bit and he, he came into it um, mm-hmm. with some reversals and combinations. And again, then Brett had to adjust what he was doing and sure. then came back in the third round and uh, got the finish. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett wasn't I, making any major errors. Um, no. You know, everything that was being successful, Tony, was, you know, really pushed to be earned. Um, yeah. You know, they were both really on point. They really was. But I think the final difference was the fact that Brett was getting more control during his takedowns and back takes. And, um, you know, Tony just was not controlling the situation so well. It was perhaps not so dangerous with his um, submissions. But, um, yeah, great. Good fight. Indeed. I thought, um, I think Gravely, uh, he showed enough that I'll certainly keep an eye on him. I was I was quite uh, fairly quite impressed with the with his performances, his temperament as well, sure. uh, kind of caught my eye. I, I'd be yeah. interested to see, you know, how he does in his next fight. Yeah, um, I mean, we we got to saw one part of it, and that was all grappling and wrestling. We never really truly got to see any striking format, um, so that will all come to light in, in future bouts. But yeah, I think he's going to do well in UFC. Um, okay, so obviously normally we just focus on the the main cards but we uh, you know we wanted to yeah support the the brit as we Absolutely. like to do and uh, yeah. so we'll move on to the main card which he says as he's trying to scroll through desperately to get to the first fight did you watch any of the other prelims or did you just watch the as i scroll through i these? didn't no i just the no, main card just stuck today. to what was stuck to what we yeah uh, 
same as me. Yeah, because I had to watch that Brett one, which was obviously on the prelims, and then obviously watch that uh, Chris Hyperbolt one as well. And then it just left with no other time, really. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, at least now we've got um, some, some some London shows and some, an island show with Bellator, yeah. and so we'll be able to watch them at a decent time. Uh, yes. And, well, Bellator, I'm sure you'll have a, a very good seat for... Uh, Yes, Tom Mearns is uh, Tom Mearns is fight. When's that? That's yeah. March, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's in March. Uh, don't quote me on the exact date. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it's <laughs> think it's the twenty something because yeah. I know it's around my son's maybe. But, yeah, I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, I say this because I'm trying to load up. Yeah, the page. Just, uh, we got lots of fights going on in March, and uh, yeah. yeah, so it gets confusing for me. So as it approaches, I start. I start getting it in, writing it in pen rather than pencil in my diary. Is he get a Tom all set and ready, raring to go, I'd imagine, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, well in fight camp mode. Um, you know, he just wants to redeem himself. You know, I don't want him to get too tunnel vision with just that in his mind. Yeah, um, of course. I want to concentrate on, on the opponent to hand. Um, the kid he's fighting is obviously very good and very capable. Um, but, you know, we're going to try and put any wrongs right and we're going to try and make all the things he was doing right that little bit better and um, push for that win yeah well what I will say uh, Danny is every fighter which I've had on boxer and MMA fighter yeah. their fight following their show they've gone on to win so uh, yes hopefully okay. Tom keeps yes. up the 100% record yeah and, uh, and we'll just use that as a selling point then to all fighters that uh, you know it's it's not. It's not because you're talented or anything like that. Just come on the podcast and you'll win your fights. Absolutely. <laughs> you should do little side lucky yeah. charms. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. But um, yeah, uh, boxer Gavin Green who we had on before. He won his fight straight after. And obviously, yeah. I'm not in any way implying that we had anything to do with that. But it's a nice coincidence, and it's yeah, a nice yeah. thing to have. Absolutely. Work. A lucky charm, as it were. Yeah. So I finally found my page. Uh, <laughs> so the first fight of the main card, another great fight. I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. Uh, was Jam- Jamal Hall Hill uh, versus Darko Stoshik. All uh, right, yes, yes. I'm just going to get onto my notes for yeah, that one. No, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, I got to say, um, these kind of smaller cards, um, particularly like with the UFC ones, mm. they um, they can be real sleeper shows because you might not be ex- going in expecting much. Um, you yeah. know, with this, I probably would. I would have watched it, but I might have watched it, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to cover it because of Brett, and and yeah, it was just fantastic. Uh, yeah, real, this, real the, good show. Yeah, um, he'll come out. He, he come out as a southpaw, really tall, really rangy, and super, super sharp and accurate. Um, you know, Darko. I, I think you know he could have been put out if he had any less defense than he had. He was fighting really, really tight, tight with his hands. But every shot he threw uh, threw at him was had meat behind it, had snap behind it. It, it was really, really impressive to think that that was his first fight, I believe, isn't it? In, yeah, in I think so, yeah, yeah. That made it even more more impressive for me. The fact that he seemed so composed, so sharp, so with it. Um, you know, on a on a say a downside of thing, whether it's the occasion, whether it's just his style, chin was a little bit high, and I did worry worry that Darko would find it with a left hook. Um, and he did swing for it a few times, but I just think that sharpness, that extra range, uh, just made it never quite there enough for him, was it? Um, 
yeah, but the, he was going for the body. He was going for the legs. Um, he was really burying those punches in. And, and I think Darko was left uh, a little bit bewildered in the first round on, on what to do. I think he was hoping the pace was going to taper off and he could reset for the second round. But the theme stayed the same. He, he's got really good conditioning, um, Jermaine Hill. The fact that he's a southpaw too. Um, I would have liked to have seen Darko um, try to be a little bit more diverse with his strikes. He was always trying to lump in with those hands uh, and maybe try to do a few leg kicks to at least stop Hill coming in so willy-nilly to throwing at the legs, throwing at the body, throwing at the head. Um, I would have liked to have seen some, some more leg kicking from Darko, uh, but definitely more attempts for the takedowns because we did see some success with the takedowns, but always too late in the round. It was like with a minute to spare. And I think he cottoned onto a theme a little bit too late in the whole process of the fight that, you know, there was a hole in his takedown defense. Um, but, a, uh, yeah, a really, really good good fight. That first round was, was super impressive. I was really curious to see what was going to happen in the second. They, um, I felt similar to you. The, the first round started as uh, Hill sort of come out and straight away he hit a couple of leg, leg kicks and jabs which, mm. like you say, they've really had some snap behind them. But then mm. uh, Darko, as he came forward, he, he, he seemed to go for that left hook, you know, straight away. Mm. Um, and then after that, I felt like he was almost looking for that big left hook too yeah. much. And like you said, he didn't vary up his striking because of that. Yeah. Um, but they, they pulled it up on commentary that Hill was leaving his, uh, I think it was his right hand, quite low. Which yeah. was leaving, you know, almost encouraging Darko to go for that left hook, yeah. um, and it was it was interesting because as impressive as Hill looked, he really did look impressive. You did yeah. feel like Stosic had a chance, and there was points where you thought, oh, oh, and just some of the strikes. There was some big knees to the midsection. Oh, he was doing everything. He was kicking the legs. He was doing head kicks. He was teeping into the body. Um, he was going in with body uppercuts, um, attacking the head with those piercing straight one-twos. Um, he was literally, you know, wrecking him from, from top to bottom. It was um, a real demonstration of, of sharp striking. Um, not perfect in sense of his, in terms of his defence, you know, with the high chin, low hands. Yep. Um, I think what made that hand look ridiculously low was the fact that his chin was ridiculously high. Um, I think the combination of both made his, his guard look so detached from his head. But it wasn't an issue for him. But it could be in future battles. So let's hope that he puts that right. Because as he moves up the levels, there'll be people watching that and um, trying to strategize to get access to that chin. But, you know, if he's got a good camp behind him, I'm sure they'll be putting, uh, putting that to rights very, very soon. He's going to be hard to beat this kid in the future. I'm sure of that. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, first fight, so there's going to be uh, some, you know, various little technical issues which they're going to have to iron out. But on the whole, uh, I thought he was real impressive. Um, yeah. And like you talked about fight IQ in the Brett Johns fight, um, maybe Stosic didn't show uh, enough fight IQ during the fight to 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 try and implement some strategies to get into some of those weaknesses, which we've pointed sure. out, like the low hands, the chin, um, and even like, you, like you said, going for the, the takedown, he, he seemed too cotton on to that. Yeah. A bit late. Yeah. It looked like he was being used as a punch and kick bag at <laughs> yeah. one point because there was not enough threatening elements coming back 
for Hill to, to worry. He just was getting more and more confident. So he started to relax. Um, that means you're doing everything with, to full efficiency. Um, but Darko was having successes, you know, um, in terms of that takedown. Um, but it was just coming all too late. You know, he should have really been pushing that a lot earlier on. I think in that first round, um, when he knew he was getting lit up with a few of those shots, I think he should have been not just hunting for that left hook, maybe throwing that left hook into shoots. But, um, yeah, but they, they didn't come until later in the round and it really didn't take effect until the latter part of the actual fight where he's actually taken down with any time to work. But um, I think if that had happened from the first round, maybe we would have seen a different result, maybe a different fight completely, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was fascinating to watch because, um, so I, I scored this fight uh, just, you know, like I do for fun, at 29-27. Yeah. Um, but, and I think that was what the judges, they all had at 29, 27. However, yeah. uh, a website, which I follow and I respect, respect greatly. Uh, they've, we've worked with them with some of their journalists and spoken to them is fightful. And um, they actually had it at 29, 28 and they gave oh. the first round to Stoshik, which I found really fascinating because like you say, yeah. he got, <clears throat> uh, you know, he got, he took a lot of strikes but yeah. Um, yeah, they gave it ten nine to Stosic, and I think wow. obviously you know there were some high kicks and there were some kicks to the midsection and yeah, it. But uh, I think maybe because as well, maybe because he was having to you know footwork away. You know, um, Darko looked like he was always stalking a prey, didn't he? Mm. Um, so maybe maybe they scored it for that, but yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have no. scored it um, scored it. 28-27. No, I would have. I would have gone with how you scored it. To be fair, uh, yeah, Jamal Hill, impressive, uh, good debut. Yeah, stuff to work on, you know. And yeah. like you say, uh, that kind of next level up of fighter will have been looking at that, and will will be thinking to themselves, well, if he comes in like that against me, yeah, I fancy my chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but there's things to aim for, but you know, yes. will those doors be shut by the time you get get your chance to have a shot at him? Um, that's why that's yeah. down to people like yourself, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. coaches to that's right. pick up on those things and, and yeah. um, work on them. What, um, like what? So you think he needs to tuck his chin in a bit, uh, get yeah. his hands maybe a bit that's higher? Right. Yeah, when he goes up against someone who's a little taller and rangier, um, you know, Darko's not like a foot super smooth footwork no. merchant. He plods forward, he stalks you down. Um, I think if he faces someone with a little bit of height, a little bit more reach, um, who's, who's an accomplished striker who, who's got a little bit more uh, smoother footwork you know that chin could be getting found um, if your chin gets found you're going to have to start leaning back out the way of shots throat don't get found if you're leaning back you give your hips and your legs for the takedown even more so um, so you know you definitely need to put that right there's, there's no two ways about that but uh, you know with the look of his athleticism the cardio is incredible I mean he threw a lot of shots and it slowed a little bit in the third third round, but I think, come on, it, it, everything you threw had proper power behind it, proper snap. You know, you couldn't allow the guy to be breathing a little heavy in the last round, but still kept working really well. I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, yeah, me too. The the velocity and the, the sheer amount of strikes that he was throwing yeah. um, was impressive to me. Like, the power, like, there wasn't many strikes in there which weren't, you know, they weren't like, they weren't many like half high, half hearted no. strikes, you know, like those kind of strikes, which are just there to, to score, but not really 
you know, do any damage. There yeah, wasn't he, very many of them. A lot yeah, of he, did, were, he didn't have to footwork. Uh, um, he didn't have to faint his way in or anything like that. He had so much range and, and height uh, on on Darko. Um, so everything he threw, he knew it was going to be landing in some form, whether it was on his blocking forearms because Darko did have a very tight defence. Um, because they, they were dribbling through. Uh, I think for the fact that Darko had such good form was what what allowed him to survive. Um, yeah, there's not really much else I can no. say about that other than, Impressive. yeah, he's one to look out for. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so next up, as uh, you mentioned at the start of the show, that you uh, really enjoyed the female fights. Yes, uh, I did, yeah. We had uh, H- Hannah Cephas or Cyphers. I, I, I'm really bad with names, so I yeah. apologize as always to, the, <laughs> to these yeah, fighters. I butcher their names. Uh, Hannah Cyphers versus uh, Angela Hill. Another yeah. very enjoyable fight. Yes, um, I did enjoy this one. Um, yeah, um, yeah. What is it I put down for this one? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So there was a, a, a quite a bit of a size difference here. I don't know whether you you, you felt the same, but yeah, it was significant. I thought. Yeah, it was a significant um, you know size difference in height and reach, um, and yeah, I, I was really impressed uh, with Hill. She had really good jab. Um, she, uh, unnecessarily trading in that pocket a little bit too 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 long as a strategy yeah. um you know unnecessarily allowing Sifis to, to, to trade back but Sifis was, was impressing me too because um you know if she's going to give away power and size like she was uh, and she had those opportunities to be in a pocket she's trying to be more diverse and she was she was trying to put in those kicks but she just didn't look like she had enough on it to to have a trouble heel and um and you just always wondered, you know, is it just going to be a matter of time before Hill starts taking effect with her size? Um, yeah, so they, they, they got to the end of the first round, didn't they? And um, it wasn't until they come out in the second one that that really started to tell tale. Um, I was really kind of curious to see how the corner was going to try and change up their games to try to make one dominate over the other. But Hill come out, didn't she, with a really lovely foot trip. Um, really, really impressive. Um, and when it went to the ground, that's when the size really started to show. Um, I think even if there was a difference in grappling level regards to smaller one over the bigger one, uh, it didn't look like it was gonna gonna matter. Um, she just looked tiny underneath her. Um, started out in half guard, I believe, wasn't it? And um, you know, got some successes putting pressure, and then started getting into that mountain position. And from that mountain position, it it, it was brutality. Um, to see those elbows going yeah. in. I was like, oh, I don't think she opened her up though. Um, I don't know how, because some of them crunched was, quite hard. One that was caught right on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the whole theme of the fight was, you know, as they were both trading in the pocket, I felt like Hill could have done better just sticking on the end of her jab and um, just grinding and making an easier night for herself and, and pick her apart as the fight progressed. But I think maybe, you know, th- these women just seem so eager, don't they? This is why I love watching them, because they just give it their all. They throw everything at each other. So for entertainment's factor, it made for a good fight for me to, to, to watch. But I just felt like she could have, you know, made that size matter to her uh, consequentially for, uh, you know, against Sivers. If she just footworked away, stuck behind a jab a little bit, then went in with her cross hand towards the latter parts of rounds. Yeah. she had perhaps... Uh, got her on the end of her shots a little bit more, but she was um, throwing the one twos, one two threes, and allowing Sivers to strike back and always allowed Sivers to look like she was still in the fight in that first round. Yeah, the first round particularly, she 
Sivers actually hit a couple of nice combinations. Uh, mm. She cracked it with a really nice body kick and followed it up with a combination. Yes, yeah. Um, which, so like you say, in that first round, you felt like even though the size difference and the sort of strength difference was there, mm. Sivers was in with a chance. Yes. Um, but this the second round, like the, that trip was just so technically uh, it was technically beautiful, good. aesthetic on the yeah. eye, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just was one really of those nice, nice ones. Yeah, and, uh, and um, that was that was pretty much it after the trip. Yeah, wasn't it? She couldn't of... recover from it. Um, you know, I think you know she sh- should have been getting to the side of her body, bridging more, fighting to get out of that position, showing a little bit more urgency. Um, uh, she kind of was accepting that position. You just cannot accept a position when you're being brand appended on. The refs are really quick to step in. Um, you have to be showing some kind of exchange of position, or at least tempting to. But we wasn't seeing that from her. You know, maybe a couple of those elbows crunched up, and she thought better of it to try to get access to the hips from her hands and even her head open. And um, I probably would have done the same, having elbows like that coming down at me. That was quite scary, ground and pound. And everyone that landed, I was, you know, muttering a little ooh and ah as they went home. Yeah, um, it good went to watch, man. A couple of the latter elbows, yeah. it was like, okay, rough time to uh, yeah, understand. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of brutal ones. I was you know, waiting to see blood, but not. Yeah, you know, it was weird, wasn't it? Like, yeah. you'd expect you expected it to be opened up by the end, of, by, by yeah. the time some of them had landed. Yeah, um, maybe it was a maybe it was a forearm a little bit that she was catching rather than tip of the elbow. So I don't know about you, uh, whether you think this, but I think um, a reason, one of the reasons, like we mentioned earlier with the women's fight, I think technically they have to be a bit sharper because they haven't got the size always to dominate. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. held it in this. Um, but I think also another reason why the women's fights are often very entertaining is because these women, they, if they can get pulled together three three wins or four wins in a row, which are impressive strikes yeah. or submissions or finishes, there is the, the women's divisions are not as crowded as the men's. So like, for instance, if you look at like, say, featherweight at men's in the UFC and featherweight in cage warriors and these places it is rammed packed with yeah. real top talent even yeah, in, you know true. cage warriors let alone when you've got the ufc as well um whereas the women's division i think is a lot more open in all mm-hmm. ways you know there's there's top fighters there and there's the but you know if you can get that run of wins particularly if you get a few finishes you can be right up there you know, towards the top of the rankings and getting title shots and things like that. And I think that yeah. helps to yeah. motivate of, these fighters to yeah, finish Yeah, I mean, yeah, in terms of how many successful fights you need to, to get to the top in the women's division, it's obviously going to be less than the men's right now, but I'm sure that's going to change in coming years. Yeah. Um, so does it make for a more exciting fights? You know, possibly so. Um, you know, the, the chance for them to get to really life-changing um, fights is closer. Um, you know, maybe. So I, I, I don't know. I just think you know, whenever I've seen girls fight, even before it was in UFC, uh, you know, we used to see it around on the European circuits. They were always just so tenacious um, and, and just throw down so many more techniques within each individual round. It's just, it's just great, great to watch. Certainly is. I was going to ask you. Did um, so obviously with you've got uh, BST. Um, have you noticed over maybe, you know, 
recently, should we say, that there's is there more more girls uh, tr- sort of training in 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 grappling and and jujitsu and things like yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, more than there's ever was. Um, I'd say, you know, know, just taking my gym as an example, we definitely have more women wanting to be fighters than we've ever had. Um, You know, we have got a couple of real burning little talents, one of them being Hayley Valentine, tiny little thing, you know, 50 kilos. Um, I think she fights in the 48th division. Um, Mm -hmm. She's fighting for an amateur world title um, in March. It'd be interesting to see how she gets on with that. Um, And then... Um, then we got um, oh crikey, I'm trying to remember names, terrible, aren't I? <laughs> crikey, can't remember my own mm-hmm. students' names. Um, oh crikey, he'll come to me. But we we got another lady that's such a, you know just incredible. You know she spars with all the guys, real mucks in, and um, you know you can't you can't muck about. You know you're you're, you're going to get tagged. In fact. Um, this girl, when her name comes to me, she's put me to sleep in training before. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, how embarrassing is that? Um, maybe that's my man ego not wanting to tap until yeah. I had a little nap. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe that, that <laughs> if I ever become really famous, I'm sure that little video footage will go circulating. It certainly went around our gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, um, Johnny, uh, who's a regular listener, asked if there was any uh, female fighters from mm-hmm. your gym who we should be looking out for over the next couple of years. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Just yeah, Hayley Valentine and um, the girl's name is um, uh, Magdalena. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her second name. You're nearly uh, as bad as me. I'll, I'll have to find her. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I will look it up and I'll give it to you. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, um, you know, certainly full of potential to, to, to have a career. She's currently having to nurse a knee injury finding out how bad that is and also had a child. So, yeah. You know that kind of slow things down regards what what potential she she, she could have had to to um, to have shown by now. Yeah. Um, but you know you know a lot of all proves well with her knee and um, you know gets things settled in her life. You can see her back on on the fight circuit, perhaps making some waves. We'll just have to see. But um, yeah, we certainly got other women that are progressing, looking to do their amateurs and, and maybe progress to pro. Cool. Do you, um. So just a quick question for me, really. Mm. As you know, I like to go off on tangents as we're talking. It's okay. Um, do you think it's harder for a male or a female fighter to progress kind of from amateur to professional and, and, and really make a career of it? Um, yeah, I suppose it, it's got to be harder for, for a girl because it's simple fact that there isn't a huge pool of fighters that there are. If you want to rack up an impressive fight record, um, you know, it d- don't take much to do so now. Um, especially on the amateur scene, saturated with so many people who want to, you know, want to build their records and get to pro. So you know, you can build up a, a fight record, you know, pretty substantial one, pretty quickly if you wanted to. Um, so yeah, I'd say for for the fact that there's more options to fight, yeah, it's easier for a guy right now. Now those times will change. Um, it's all heading the right way for the women, and um, and I'm. I'm absolutely all for that. I'm totally down for it. Don't, can't, can't say I'm always a fan of seeing their pretty little faces get smashed up, but yeah. um, that's all part of the fight game, right? Um, yeah. Uh, no, I get that. There's, uh, there's more MMA uh, like companies and, and brands than ever before in terms of you know, places for, for people to fight as well. Um, so I think, which you know, that's only a good thing, providing you know they're 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 all run 
you know safely and within yeah. guidelines and all this sort of thing mm-hmm. um the more places for for fighters to fight the yeah. better oh yeah absolutely and of course that's going to make any road to something more than you are at that time easier yeah you just need more options and those options ain't out there as much as it is uh, for the men uh, over the women right now but those times are changing they take a little time just like it took for, you know for that sport to to evolve to do anything substantial over here in the UK. You know, it started off with real humble beginnings and, you know, it took a while to get momentum. A lot of councils were trying to ban it, weren't allowing it, you know, that we had to get through a lot of difficult times for it to get where mm. it's got now. I mean, now we're, we're all good as long as there's no, you know, touch wood fatalities or anything. I mean, that really yeah. could put a spanner in the works. Uh, we don't want to happen here what happened in France. I think France have just legalised it or on the verge of. Um, I know there was a, on the verge of legalising MMA, but that was banned over there for, for many, many years. We don't want that situation happening over here because that won't be good for men or women. No, no, I know. And I think um, it shouldn't, you know, there's no reason for it. You know, uh, obviously with fighting of any kind, boxing or karate or, you know, taekwondo, there's mm-hmm. there's risk of, of injury. And when you're getting struck to the, you know, to the head and things like this, there's risk of, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. When I spoke to Paddy Pimblett, you know, he said, like, one of the most frustrating things for him, as you know, as someone who's kind of in at the top level of Cage Warriors and mm-hmm. looking towards the UFC, is frustrating that that boxers get paid like a, a low level boxer mm. could get paid, you know, double, triple what a, a, a higher placed MMA fighter would get for yeah. pay per views and things like this, and you know, in many ways. MMA fighters uh, have got a lot more to worry about in terms of, you know, injuries and, and, and potential, you know, problems with, you know, concussions and things like that because you're putting in things like kicks and knees and elbows. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I would actually say you, you're probably, you're probably going to suffer more uh, brain trauma doing boxing than you will MMA. I think MMA okay. gives you aesthetic damage. Yeah. But um, I think if you only do any kind of study into, you know the effects of of boxing. Yeah. Um. You'll you'll find there's been you know a whole load more fatalities. I know the sport's been around a lot longer. Um. You know you can argue these points, but um. You know this term punch drunk is really quite prevalent. You 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 hear it in boxers being interviewed you know long after their careers, uh, they get punchy so often. Um. You don't really get that with MMA fighters. Um. And I don't think you're likely to. It's um, a different type of impact with that small, tight MMA glove. Yes, it's going to bruise. Yes, it's going to potentially cut you more. But I don't think it does um, more damage. Um, in fact, I think it does you more damage uh, with a, a, a padded boxing glove. I think it ricochets through the brain, it shakes the head a whole lot more. And in their training and in their amateur careers, they're wearing those uh, uh, those the, the head protection. Yeah. Um. You know, this is just getting your head shook about a whole lot more too. It's just um, enlarging the potential target, which is your head. So I'll call it protects you from cuts and, and, and facial damage, but it is certainly getting your head banged about. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not against boxing. I love yeah, no, no, boxing. I know what you mean. Um, I'm not certainly not comparing to us, but in, in, in any biography way, but for, for the health and safety aspects, MMA is safer. Yeah, it comes with its risks, but uh, to me, it's safer overall it really is, but it's, a little harder to train in its problematic dealings with some of the aspects of potentiality to lose. 
So for that part, you know, it should be paid more. And yeah, um, I, I think it will so. in time. It takes time. It takes time. But yeah, it, it, it can make you scratch your head a little bit when you see how much some of these top boxers are getting paid. I mean, it's just tens of millions, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think, well, I think when Paddy was, uh, you know, referring to that when I was talking to him, I think he was referring more to kind of your kind of lower end, uh, like, a, you know, just like a uh, maybe a, like a journeyman boxer who's, you know, been around, fights, you know, the open, mm-hmm. like on the prelims or the the kind of opening fights of, of pay-per-views yes they they seem to get on the big shows you know they'll have their fight they'll lose or whatever yeah they'll get paid a lot and then you might have yeah. someone at the top end of you know like a big big promotion in the uk or europe mm-hmm. they might be champion or they might be a top contender yeah and they're not getting as much as the you know the lo- the lower end boxer but i mean you know that that will yeah. come with time. I, I yeah, it will come time. Um, there was an interesting debate. I can't remember the boxer the boxing name. He's like an old guy who's one of the main promoters. Um, but he he had beef with Dana White, and they was exchanging a few years ago. Um, you know, making digs at each other. Um, mm. you know, ha, you know how the MMA is coming up, and the boxing promoter you know wasn't liking it, and would make certain comments about um UFC and MMA uh, as a sport, and uh, but. You know, it, it's so easy to counterattack and attack the boxing community. But by the same token, and the promoter pointed out a really interesting point that the boxers get so much better looked after. In that, when a promotion's put on, eighty um, percent of their income could end up going to the uh, the boxers in terms of their fight purses. Eighty percent, and yet only twenty percent, maximum twenty percent gets to the fighters in the MMA. And that's quite a profound thing, you know. So, yeah. you know, the real big gainers is UFC, Bellator, you know, um, and what, you know, all these promotions are, are doing very, very well and the fighters uh, are right down, down on the food chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's that why boxers get paid so much. Yeah. But that's an interesting point, you know, I, d- I didn't realise so much of the percent of money that comes in Those goes to the, the fire. But yeah, there you go. That's why they get so much money. Yeah, and I think that you know, being completely uh, you know serious and and wanting something to change is those fighters who are putting their you know their lives at risk and their their body and health and long term health sometimes at risk. Mm. They they are the ones who should be getting the money. You know, they should be getting a good, uh, a fair 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 payment. You know, out of out of the the money which they're making um, from the you know, the pay-per-views and whatever. Sure. Um, I want to see the fighters get the money, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and I right. both, well, I think that would be good. So, off the tangent train. Yes. And uh, back to the fights. We had yep. uh, number 11 ranked Jordan Espinosa versus number 12 ranked Alex Perez. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, this one didn't last too long, did it? No, it did um, not. It's, it's all happened in the, in the first round. Um, both come out trading very early. Um, and Perez uh, closed in. Uh, but Jordan was um, showing some good footwork. It was a little bit hard to get hold of at first. But then Perez gets in on him and um, just does a simple hip suck. He just got deep in on the hips. And because he got in so early, he was obviously feeling physically fresh. And he pulled those hips in. They just dragged him down. Nothing pretty about it. But anyway, you get someone to the back, uh, to their back is, is, is all, all good, right, if you get control. And he took him down. He got control early. And that control come in the form of that half card. 
and he really attacked um, to put that arm, that far arm, under pressure for an arm triangle choke. Um, but you know, unusually, um, you know, he, he started putting pressure with that choke uh, while still having the leg deep in the half guard. Um, you don't normally see that, but this goes as well with the fact that he was obviously feeling fresh and strong. He had his head under the arm. He started putting that shoulder drive in. He had him flat out, and he just put the squeeze. He put the drive with the shoulder in, didn't he? Um, yes. And you know, it, it looked like perhaps it wouldn't be enough to, to choke him, but it, it put him out. It was... How it was cold? Quick, I didn't actually see the time. How, how long? Do you know uh, how two long minutes, 33 of the round one. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, yeah, what can you say about that? Um, well done, Perez. <laughs> yeah, he was quick. He was impressive. He, he just dragged him down and choked him out, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing super pretty about any of it. Even the way he did the submission was you know, rather forceful from a yeah. position where you know, it's normally enough to prevent a submission. If you're, if you're in half guard underneath, it's pretty hard. Uh, sorry, I've got half guard on top. It, it's hard to submit someone from there. It's not, it's not straightforward. Um, but he he got it in, in great fashion. Indeed, and like you say, Espinosa, you know, didn't look too bad um, no. be- before he was dragged down and and choked out. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's yeah, not didn't get to a great... didn't get to see see him work. We really didn't get to see what he was going to be about in that fight. It was just all over too soon. Made one error, got taken down. Didn't really Made even it. make an error off his back. I mean, he was holding the half guard, but. Um, yeah, the choke got forced on him. You know, don't don't be half guarded in the first few minutes of the first round. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, UFC, you know, arguably the the top MMA company in the world is mm. you make a mistake at the top level and you get punished. Whether it's yeah. a, you know whether you'd count it as a as a big mistake or just a slight mistake, but yeah. that's what happens. You know, and, yeah. and this was a big fight for these guys, ranked eleven and twelve. Yeah, yeah, they're starting to you know break through to to start touting to be contenders. 10. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, Alex Perez, because especially because it was such an impressive, uh, you know, victory in terms of the time it took and stuff. You'd think mm-hmm. he'd probably break into that top ten now. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. So yeah, let's see him step up. Let's see whether he can win so easily against someone in the top ten now. Yeah. Um, the next fight, however, as little as there was to talk about in that fight, there was plenty to talk about in this fight as we had the uh, the co-main event of uh, Rafael Dos Anges, or Anges, R- RDA, yes. we'll call him, versus uh, Michael Chiesa. Now, yeah. Michael Chiesa is massive for this weight. Yeah, they're, they're huge. I mean, Dos Anges is not bigger that weight. Um, he's not, not particularly tall. He's not particularly long. In, in, with his reach either. Um yeah, the size was really, really apparent. Um, the, the the criticism I have of Dissenter um, is uh, he always goes backwards up against the fence. If you watch all his fights, if he's going to suffer anywhere, I think the commentators uh, made a good point. He got taken down around about 28 times. In. That's a lot of times to be taken down. There's obviously some kind of issue there. And I've, I've sort of like openly criticised uh, this fault in his game um, over the last few years when watching watching him with my mates and my son. I'm like, look, he goes straight back. He gets put against the fence. He just doesn't do the foot, circling footwork or zigzagging footwork, you know, where you'll do two steps to your left, two steps to your right. You know, makes use of the fact that that octagon's pretty much, it's a circle. You know, it's, it's, it's round, effectively. Use it. 
circle. Yeah. Don't, don't get put up against a fence so easily. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was my opening issue with him. And, um, I, and before the fight began, I was thinking, well, oh, is he going to get put up against the fence again? And indeed he did. Um, you know, he'd, done, he'd done quite well in some of the exchanges. He actually got on top a couple of times as well. Um, but that, that, that size advantage and, and stuff like that, he, he just couldn't do anything telling when he did have the top position. Yeah, yeah. RDA, RDA, he felt at times like he was in it. But, yeah. if, you know, ultimately, I just felt like Chiesa kind of dominated him for the majority yeah. of the fight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it kind of began with Chiesa was just using his jab. Um, and then you had RDA did crack him with a nice kind of blow to the the, the right-hand side of his body, the mid, mid, yes. sort of mid-section. Yeah, and yeah. Thought, and you thought, oh, hello. But then, yeah. as as Kiesa comes forward, uh, RDA's like you say, he's backing off, and he gets hit with a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think that could be, like, in your uh, opinion, as a former fighter and a, as a coach, do you think that could be a, a, like a confidence thing with RDA, where maybe he's being cracked and he's, I don't want to say he's backing away, but he kind of is backing away, and he's getting caught up against the cage by uh-huh. not not using his feet. Could that it's, be a confidence uh, thing, or Matt, someone's obviously not brought it to light? It's 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 um it's either a lack of awareness from his team or him, or it's a habit he can't break out of, even if he is aware. Um, but he's got to put that right. It's just not a good idea. This is like you know um, putting your back against the fence. You might as well be jumping guard. You know mm. you're you're putting yourself in a secondary position all the time. Um, I just feel like all these other aspects of his game potentially so good. It's obviously clearly a high level grappler and yep. clearly a high level striker um, just his wrestling aspects is, is a little lacking you don't even need to be a super amazing wrestler to not get taken down you just have to be aware and use appropriate footwork and you know your anti-wrestling methods he doesn't he seems to lock horns with the wrestler with his back up against the fence and in that weight division where he's not the biggest mm-hmm. he's um he's getting taken down all too often yeah, especially you know with someone like Chiesa who's dropped down to uh, to the welterweight, um, mm. he's he's big for this yeah. for this for this weight. Um, yeah, I thought but... the start of the second round, I thought um, RDA straight away came out with some leg kicks. Yeah, I thought well, right, that's a good idea. Try and chop him down a bit, slow him yeah. down a bit, maybe make yeah. him think twice about it did. coming he, in for the takedown. He buckled that knee right across a few times, and um, and um, you know Chessier didn't didn't receive him that well. He really, really buckled cross with it. He, he didn't want no part of that. But um, I thought it was going to be a start of maybe okay. He's got a new strategy in mind. Maybe things are going to change up. But the theme went back to old very very quickly. Um, it did. He did takedowns of his own, which was looking exciting, but couldn't control it for for, for very long there. Um. You know, there, there was a big knee as well. But, you know, yes. I don't know if you remember that big knee. Um, that landed all good. Um, I was thinking, you know, could, could this be a start of something that he could snowball off of? But nothing really come of it for him. He just looked like he was on the receiving end all the time. It's just, yeah, it's not looking great. Um, and then, you know, going into that into that third round, I think, you know, it, we had the exchange on the ground where he was going for that leg lock. And it looked a little promising that there, there could have been something there. But I think that was the case of he knew he was losing this fight and um, had to put it away. 
Um, if you're going to put it away with a submission, there's nothing nothing better than a good old heel hook or something like that. But leaves no questions asked. If you have one of them slapped on you, you can't get out. You you want to be tapping. So um, I think it was a good call for him to go for that kind of sub. Um, but that that didn't happen for him either. Uh, he just let the round slip away. Yeah, takedowns being the issue. Yeah, I thought Kiesa managed that third round pretty well. Um, obviously, yeah. like you say, RDA, he knew he needed to get the finish. Yeah. Um, Kiesa scored a takedown and he got the half guard, but uh, he rolled for a Kimura and then RDA escaped, which is where mm. he kind of w- w- rolled in for the heel hook. And Kiesa defended it by landing some strikes. Um, and just for like a split second, I thought, oh, hello. Yeah. He's got, him, he's got this heel hook in. This could be it. Is yeah. he going to pull it out of the bag? But Chiesa then kind of managed the, the yeah, situation he was, well. He's probably been in that situation so many times in training. Um, he was cool, calm and collected in there. He did the right sort of things. Wasn't perfect, but um, he did what he had to do. He got the leg you know, out of harm's way and uh, carried on the theme of domination. Yeah, we you know we've talked about fight IQ throughout yeah. the, the evening so far, and I, I think yeah. this again, Kiesa, I thought managed this whole fight very well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There was there was there was holes in Decentros's um, whole theme and, and game, and he found that hole and just kept prodding there, and he, t- he just kept taking the rounds off of Decentros. I got a little sad for Central, you know, because I, I, he had a little tear, didn't he? He was, um, you know, getting a number of wins behind him and stuff like that. But then I just think, you know, with that issue that he's got, unless he puts that right, he, he won't become a contender again, not not in the current climate of how, how good those weights are. Um, you know, he has to put that right to, to ever be in contention again, or maybe even go back down to lightweight. I think I'd like to see him back down in lightweights, to be honest, but I don't know whether that's ever going to happen. He did look, uh, he looked small against Kiesa, I thought. Um, yeah. But yeah, the problem is when you're getting, when you're finding yourself up against the cage a lot and against someone like Kiesa who's so good on the ground but also yeah. got the, that, that size advantage, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to find it difficult no matter yeah. how good you are, you know, mm-hmm. defending or from off your back or, you know, whatever it may be you're putting yourself in a situation where you're thinking more about surviving rather than yeah. you know, doing something to, to win the fight, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Listen, if I, if I was um, DeSantis' coach and I knew that you wanted to go up to this welterweight division um, in the first place, I'd be saying, look, you're going to be fighting bigger, heavier dudes, stronger dudes. Um, you know, let's really get this footwork. I'd be, getting, I'd be working on his footwork. I'd, I'd be like, you're going to be a smaller, lighter, faster guy Let's use that as a weapon. Yeah. But he's not using it as a weapon. And, and so they're using their size uh, mm-hmm. as a weapon on him. Um, if you're going to be fighting someone bit bigger and stronger, you don't want them getting hold of you. And they're just getting hold of him all too often. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And Kiesa now, I think he's on three and three, one, three on the bounce, I think it is now. Yeah, yeah. So um, he'd be stepping up. And I thought this was a convincing, uh, convincing victory as well, really. Yeah, um, yeah. RDA, I felt like he was in it, but never yeah. really in it. If that the only thing sense. I will say, you know, to me, Dos Santos, uh, you know, he, he, he lost it because of himself. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I'm still left with questions asked, you know, 
uh, uh, can Michael really still, you know, can he really make it in that top five? Can he, can he break through yet? I don't know whether I saw from that, although he did obviously perform really, really well. He performed really, really well on someone to, to me was making major errors um, mm. each round in, in terms of his, his location getting put up against the fence. Um, yeah, you can only do what you can do with what's in front of you. But um, I just felt like that fight was just given to him rather than him coming to take it. And um, I want to see him win a fight where he has to take it to see what he's got. Um, yeah. So I'm still left with questions. Of I still want to be convinced more that he can make it into that, you know, that real, well to wait. real top. Yeah, yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair fair assessment. You know, uh, RDA is, is ranked number five, but... yeah. Whilst it was a fairly convincing fight, uh, convincing victory for Chiesa, like yeah. you say, how much of that was due to RDA's mistakes? Yeah, yeah. It was even given though, even though bit. it was quite a dominant win, if it's it's like a strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Like he did use his size and his and his uh, his grappling, and he took him down and he dominated him. And when you say that, you think, oh, it's, you know, he's a really that was a really dominant win, but yeah. When you factor in the errors that it was made too easy for him, yeah, that, that's 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 the thing. Okay, he got leg kicked a few times. Yes, he did take taken down, but the leg kicks never amounted much because he got taken down thereafter. And um, the takedowns that happened to him, he recovered from very very quickly. Um, yeah, so it, it just didn't look like it. I, I didn't see him get his feathers ruffled to know what he's got there in that particular hmm. fight to know. That's all I'm saying. I'm certainly, you know, not wanting to be harsh on him because I dislike him. Um, I'm, you know, so excited to see him in the division. I think it's going to be really good, especially that he's big at the weight. It'd be interesting to see other people deal with him. Um, but likewise, I'm kind of curious to see a little bit more of him to know whether I'm convinced that he can be a real contender in that division just yet. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And all you can do is, you, you know, that's what we do is give yeah, you watch a, a honest, honest assessment. And yeah. Is there, isn't it? Um, I do like it, you know, as 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 tough as it is for these fighters to, to you know, to weight cut and to get down to the to certain weights. I do like seeing some of these guys when they're in this, they go down in a weight and they're massive because yeah. it, it gives the other fighters something different to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he certainly is bringing something to that division, and um, you know that one's. That, you know, that, that fight to me still puts some questions about you know how he's going to do down there. Um, yeah, just need to see more of him, really. Yeah. Uh, so next is the main event of the evening. Yes. Uh, number three ranked Curtis Blades versus number four ranked Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. Um, we know uh, Dos Santos obviously has really good hands. Um, you know, he, he really bangs. We know he's going to, you know, look to plant those hands on Curtis. But Curtis looked really good in his striking form. Um, you know, very, very tight hands, really well positioned, head really well positioned. He actually looked like the one stalking for the potential strike. I know that he will initially always want to get it to the ground. Um, but was looking so good in his form. Um, and once he started firing some punches and kicks, he actually has Santos um, on the run. Not just from the takedown, but from the punches and kicks. Um, De Santos just looked like he just couldn't get anything off. He just couldn't get going in the fight. Um, whether there's an underlying issue or whether it's just the fact that Curtis just was performing so well, it didn't give De Santos any opportunity. But um, 
yeah, it seems like Curtis was the one preying on, on Santos. You would think Santos being the guy that's got some of those knockouts on his record, it would win the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, Blades, uh, he was impressive. He, uh, he came forward from the start. He was hunting. Uh, whether it was for you know for takedowns or I think he strikes. wanted to take down. I didn't really, I don't think he even anticipated being so effective with his striking. But um, you know, a good striker needs to be standing his ground or going forward to be super effective. It's very, very hard to be effective, you know, backing up all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, you have to stop and trade at some point or, or press forward to trade. Um the centrist looked look like he, he he was getting intimidated. Um yeah, and it, it wasn't a good night for him, was it? No, no, it was not. Yeah, uh, you know, he got in the just uh, in the first round. Blades accidentally hit him low. The fights halted. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mean, as soon as they resumed, up, I think it was an uppercut as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was an uppercut. Well. How, how he did did an uppercut that low? I don't know. Especially being it was in a clinch scenario. <laughs> yeah, it was funny though because they once they resumed. They literally, it was like, they resumed and then they just started swinging. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, straight at each other. Uh, Blades cracked him with a really nice straight right. Yes, and he did. And back, then backed him up, uh, you know, landed a couple of rights, mm-hmm. nailed him with a, a body kick, followed by another right. Um, yeah. And, you know, he nailed uh, a swing in Dos Santos. So, like, as they were swinging uh, or as uh, Blades was hitting him with the right Dos Santos has kind of come out swinging as well to, yes. to counter with the right and, this, and the round ends and they I think that woke up Dos Santos a little bit and I thought well, yeah. I kind of thought if, oh, if that round had carried on I would have liked to have seen whether Dos Santos could have turned it around but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the break almost interrupted because I don't know whether one of the shots just caught him and and hurt yeah, him. Yeah, was he? Didn't he do like a a, a block of back fist or a, like a hammer fist? Didn't he yeah. try to break free off the fence? Um, it, uh, you know, um, yes, he, he got woken a up fire, a little bit there, but um, you know, to me, it was almost like a panic response. Mm. And I think it's because of the really good poised form that Blades had. You know, he 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 had his head in the right position, his hands were in the right position, he was pressing forward. It looked like not only could he be shooting for, for for the takedown, which we know that he was initially going to be hunting for. I mean, he was hiding no secrets in interviews to say that he is going to take him down, but was struggling for that. But it turns out that struggle for the takedown was not even needed because uh, it looked like he was performing as the better striker. Um, I hope that's given him confidence to maybe trade a little bit on the feet um, with some other people who are classed as good strikers because I think if he does so, it'll open up those opportunities for a takedown, um, you know, to get someone in the mindset of striking and then, and then shooting not be so obvious for that takedown. Because at first it was just too obvious and Santos mm. was, he, he was shrugging them off and for working out of those clinches quite easily. But um, um, I think he's uh, developing to a, a right little striker. Yeah, you know, he's a big, big, big boy, isn't he? And um, it's interesting, like you say, because, you know, Blade's more known probably for his, takedowns and he's, yeah. he he was looking for that early on yeah um but he, you know he, the damage he did with the strikes it's uh, uh-huh. but when i said they were the uh, they were you know they were swinging and they were going at each other um you're right like but the way i said it it makes it sound like they were kind of wild you know wild wildly swinging 
But mm. I think a better description is what you said, where um, Blades is was quite settled in his his movements. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, you know, his body was quite very still. strict to form. Very strict um, to form. Whereas De Santos, particularly towards the end of that first round, maybe did have that kind of panicky, more hectic swing yeah. of the of the strikes. Um, yeah. And I think it makes me when I look at fights like this, you know, DeSantos been around for a long, long time, and, and Curtis is really on his way up. Mm. It, it looks like Santos has just stayed the same fight type of fighter all the time, but it looks like someone who perhaps no longer does. He, I mean, I'm surmising here, but I've seen this happen with fighters over the years um, of training with me. Um, they go off the boil a little bit. You know, they perhaps no longer, you know, do proper pad sessions. Okay. Um, they, they become the type of character they can't be told. Um, so they just surround themselves with little yes men around them. Yeah, okay. And, and I'm not saying for one stretch that that could be what's happening, but I, I just suspect that something's up with his training because his form was not great. His hands were kind of down. Um, his footwork wasn't exactly awesome or impressive. He was doing nothing, nothing impressive, nothing different from what he would normally do, other than the fact that he had to stay away from uh, from, from Curtis from taking him down. So he had to backpedal a little bit. Um, uh, but the fact that you know he, his face was a little exposed and, and and he did those panic strikes to me there's something obviously I miss, miss with his training maybe he's not getting his sparring in like he used to because there's another thing once you've reached, reached big status sometimes they affect that beyond doing sparring rounds you know um, yeah. again this is another issue that I've seen throughout the years um, with different fighters they, they they become bigger than the club in their own minds and they, they start turning up to to chat and do a little warm-up work, uh, you know, exercise on their own, and they don't participate in the class anymore. They don't participate in the sparring anymore. And I'm wondering whether something like that's happening because I'm not seeing him evolve. Um, this is not the climate, and especially in UFC, to stagnate your game. You need to always be something, bring something new to the table. I drum this into my students all the time and as a club as a whole. You know, um, when you're not doing a fight camp, that's your time to grow. Grow, grow new weapons, grow new counters, um, consolidate your, your your defensive game more. Always be a different fighter every time you fight. So there's always something potential that can't have been pre-read. So when I said the fighter in, you know, they're not just going to do what they've always been seen to do so that a fighter can prepare for them. They're throwing something out that they haven't seen before. Another takedown combination, um, a spinning elbow this time that they're gonna, we're going to drill into their game. And that comes through play for sparring and doing your pad work and drills and making it live and, and coming up with ideas as a collective club and a, a, as a team. Um, yeah, I just, I think something's amiss, I miss with his training. I wasn't impressed by the central, so I think it was a, a lame performance. But not to take anything away from Curtis, he was absolutely impressive from faultless with his form. Um, he's someone who's being taught and listening and, um, and and advancing his game. Yeah, I think it's it's all about evolving, isn't it? Um, in whatever you do, but I think particularly in fighting and the way MMA is going, um, mm. if you don't evolve, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. And Junior Dos Santos now is 35, looks mm. the same, uh, or if not worse, than he did yeah. five years ago. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and Kurt's Blade looks like, Blades looks like a, a young guy, like you say, who's listening to his coaches, is yeah. uh, picking up new bags of tricks on his way up there. Yeah. Um, so, whereas previously he's been reliant on those takedowns today yeah. or yesterday, he was yeah, yeah. all about them strikes. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. I'm, I'm gonna have a little look. 
Um, I'm going to try and... F- I don't know who's been doing his striking, but I'm going to see whether I can find out who's been doing his striking. Because it's not that he did anything super amazing, but the fact that he had really good tight form, um, that really impressed me. And that goes to show, if he carries on with whatever striking coaches... Um, you know, putting his game together at the minute, you're going to see him become a striker as well as a wrestler. You're definitely seeing this kid evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just saw that uh, Michael Chiesa uh, from the co-main event right. uh, called out Kobe Cov. Yes, oh Kobe yeah, Covington. we forgot to mention. Yes, he did. That, I think that. that could be a good test for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'd actually, I don't know how bad Colby is with his jaw. I mean, how long is he yeah, going to be out? He got, didn't he break his jaw or he had a fractured jaw or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to take some while. So I don't know. Calling on that fight, you might be waiting a little while. You perhaps um, yeah. get a fight in in between and, and wait to find out. Don't know how long it's going to be for him. Well, like we said last week, um, you want to see fighters when they pick, particularly when they pick up a win, is get back in as soon as possible. Yeah, that's and right. Get some momentum rather yeah. than kind of waiting another yeah. year to fight or. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he called out Colby because it's a money fight. It, it yeah. will attract money. Yeah, of course. And, um, yeah, that's probably why he called him out. It was a financial move more than it was anything else, uh, rather than a career move. Yeah, that's that, that's my guess on why he's called him out. I just had a quick look to see if I could find out who Curtis Blades' is, uh, striking coach was, but I can't seem to find it at the moment, but I'll have a quick yeah. look. Yeah, see. something that I'm going to delve into and see if I can find because I'm kind of curious I was quite impressed yes indeed Uh, so just to finish off the show uh, we've got two questions because we've got another one sent in just while we've been talking Uh, but nothing too technical today Um, so the first question is uh, does Brett John's up and down results since coming to the UFC show show what a step up it is after he was so dominant in Cage Warriors or uh, is it just that he has fought some real top top names rather than yeah. lower frank lower ranked fighters to clap wins? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt this 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 kid's um, well classed through and through. Um, I don't think we've even seen the best of him yet. I still think skill wise and experience wise, he's on the up. Um, yeah, he had a pretty much faultless career previous to those two losses. And okay, so he's had two losses, but of the highest order. And, and they were never bad performances. So, yes, he had the two losses. He's back to winning ways again. Um, I can't even say that it was an up-and-down career. Um, he's had a blip that many people will have in their careers. Yeah, he had the two losses, but he's retracted back from that now. I think um, he, he, he's a real contender to make waves in that division. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think we're going to see more of him and, and more good things from him. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I really do. I think... You know, some fighters can come in, particularly when they come into like the UFC or to Bellator, if they've got a bit of a reputation from, you know, wherever they've come from, whether it's mm-hmm. Invicta or Cage Warriors or whatever, they can kind of take, not, I don't want to say easy fights because they, I don't believe there's any such thing as, as easy fights, but they mm-hmm. take comfortable fights yeah. to, 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 to collect wins, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look at the opponents that Brett Johns has faced in the UFC, they are, yeah. you know, they are top, top draw uh, yeah. fighters, top ten fighters. Um, yeah. So I think, and and I think I can't remember if we mentioned this earlier in the show or if I mentioned it to you off the air. But the 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 fights that he had with these fighters, yes, he lost, but he actually, you know, didn't disgrace himself. Did very well no. in those fights, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
you could see the emotion on his face actually uh, yeah. you know when he when it was over you could see how much uh, you know how much he put into the training camp and mm-hmm. ability yeah, wise I mean, he's got it yeah I, I, you know UFC it's such the ultimate step up isn't it it's, yeah. it's where you know, you know most fighters or all fighters will want to get to um, and it's probably a bit of a dream for his yeah the the, it's going to feel different. There's traveling aspects to be taken. There's probably a lot of new experiences he had to have. Um, you know, a new promotion, traveling. Um, you know, that, that traveling changes a little bit regardless of how your body holds water. There's so many factors that can make it feel a little different from how it normally felt. Whether those were issues enough, along with the fact that he was fighting top 10, you know, we can only guess at. But I think there was... Um, there was no disgrace in those two losses that he had. Um, there was nothing that was showing up that he had a major issue in his game. I just think he two, two, fought two really tough opponents. So um, maybe the experience was a little bit too much for him. But um, I think we're, he's back on winning ways. I think that's going to stay the case. Um, and I think you're going to see him being a contender in that division in coming years. Absolutely. I mean, he beat Brett Johns, beat Albert, uh, Albert Morales. Uh, he yeah. beat I mean, Joe, wow, Joe Soto. Yeah, to yes. in the finale of uh, Tough Enough, and then yes. he lost to Pedro Munez and yeah. Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. So, like straight away, you can see there's a uh, they're tough fights. They are. And, oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, he beat Albert uh, Morales, and mm. uh, I think hopefully you know he, he's back on the on the winning yeah, he's, winning he's trail. Back on the up. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the final question sent in by Gaz is. Uh, where did the name BST come from and who named it? Okay, so the history behind BST is um, we call ourselves BST Academy now, but the actual original name BST stood for Blood, Sweat and Tears. Okay. Um, that was come up with a guy, um, I can't remember his surname, but his name was Sid. Um, it, it, it was um, someone that I trained with in, in jiu-jitsu. Um, as far as I'm aware, he's gone into managing fighters and that now. Um, and um, yeah, he was always someone that had his fingers in lots of pies. Um, he did actually ask me to coach for him when he uh, started up BST. Good number, I'm talking a good number of years ago now. And um, it ran for a number of years and I got a phone call for him um, saying that, you know, they were struggling producing an actual MMA fight team. They had jiu-jitsu there. You know, would have come along and help out, you know, he'd pay me for it to help produce a fight team and, and try and put what we're doing wrong and try and put them right because I was having a successful uh, fight team with Total Dojo as it was at the time, which is still running, by the way, in Milton Keynes Bletchley. Still a great gym to go to. They just don't do MMA anymore. They do BJJ there and um, you know street self-defense kickboxing. Really good for kids as well. So if anyone's in that area that's interested, go to Total Dojo. Um, but go, getting back onto point, um, I just chose not to at that time because I knew what a loose cannon he was and um, I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket um, with him and, and coach for him full time by any stretch. So I just did a few nights a week. That's how it started out. But then not long after I did that, it, um, I, I got a phone call off of uh, a friend who was a training partner at BST, Blood, Sweat and Tears, saying, oh, it shut down. It, uh, Sid's shut it down. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I was just shocked because I'd been coaching there just for a couple of months and you know, with all this hope and prospect of creating a new fight team, um, then it was all shut. And uh, a guy called Greg Lund, um, I found out, had bought him out and moved it right into the heart of town. Okay. Um, I got a phone call from him and um, explaining that he had bought Sid out. 
and that my name kept cropping up as a coach to have and that's how my relationship with Greg started yeah. I started just coaching for him at one point uh, then I started coaching more and more um, and then I gave up Total Dojo I gave up Immortal I gave up Rough and Ready so I was coaching all around different places um, and then he changed it to to BST Northampton as it was then then eventually to BST Academy as we started to do more for um, the town of Northampton we wanted to be a martial art academy that helps youngsters get off the street we wanted to put on free self-defense classes for women because women were being attacked you know we okay. had a really sad murder um, so we introduced free female self-defense classes but it's a bit of a long answer no but that's yeah, good it's, it's, it's really that blood sweat and tears now we've moved away from it being called blood sweat and tears and we just call it bst academy um and although a lot of people see it as a fight gym it is a ultimately an academy to help um you know these young kids who perhaps couldn't afford to train or can't afford their equipment we can subsidize and help them help them with their dietary aspects and help launch careers and also help girls who don't want a uh, um, you know a fight career just want to become confident on the street we do that we do kids classes for kids that are in trouble you know and get kicked out of schools we're the ones that don't turn the back on them when we still help them um, so it's totally changed from what BST was originally when it was under Sid now it's under Greg it's really become an academy for for Northampton that's wicked. That's uh, I tell you what. I'm really glad that uh, Gaz was it. Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. Actually, like yeah, very very good question. Because I find that you know that's really interesting. And I think, yeah, you know, obviously, and, um, like we've talked about, like you're, you know, working with, um, you know, fighters like Tom and and uh, mm-hmm. and Jordan and Modestus and people like this. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously, there's another side to it as well. It's not just the the you know the professional guys and the yeah. cage warriors guys and the UFC guys now is yeah. it's also the, oh there's, you know, trying there's to help a, local people and yeah and absolutely and, there's a lot that goes on um, in the gym that that are, you know really heartwarming um, yeah you know we, we we've got a guy who's a paratrooper you know lost lost a leg he lost part of the movement in his arm he trains boxing under our uh, coach Lee Edwards and he does a lot of charity bouts. Um, so we do a lot with you know the damaged victims uh, of war. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a real lot that goes on there, and um, it's all stuff that's done for really good causes. Um, you know, we even did one time um, we had one of our training buddies um, unfortunately commit suicide, um, okay. and so we did uh, a charity um, a charity roll where we rolled for 24 hours throughout the whole night. Wow. Um, that's yeah, great. and we That's did it nice. all in the name of of, of our friend. Um, yeah, a really good cause again. Um, so that, that that's really you know the grounds of what our club is all about. But we get known as being a fight gym, which is certainly a big and important part of our of our club. Also, it's the bit that flies the flag for our club, I suppose you would say. Yeah, of course. I think um, I got to say, you know, it's, I find that really interesting, and it is the sort of thing that we need more of in terms of you know just for not just for mma but for for for, for women for children for yeah. you know different aspects of of life and people being able mm-hmm. to defend themselves discipline yeah. all yeah, different yeah. aspects of it yeah um, and uh, what you know what, what perhaps um, a lot of people don't realize but we, we're really close regards all the coaches me lee edwards uh, jb graham a, a k1 Thai boxing coach um alex our wrestling coach we're all really really close knit and um and uh you know a lot of the 
the, the sessions we have, you'll be surprised um, how many times students come with different other problems. <laughs> it turns out we're not we're not just coaches for the arts that we teach. We end up being life coaches as well yeah. quite often, and um, never meant to be that way. We, we do find it, it is that way, and you know whether it's just coincidence, we are people that feel like you know we do have compassion for people, not just for our arts, and we consequently um, help help people in their just general lives. That's what we find we end up doing. Well, yeah, the thing is, is that, that shows that they trust you, um, which, yeah. again, shows the, the tight-knit aspect of it. And it's like a kind of family, family, uh, you know, like you're all part of a family, yeah, uh, yeah, family yeah. atmosphere, which I, I, you know, like a team. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any success that we have as, um, in terms of our MMA is really not just down to me. I, I, okay, I cover the MMA aspect of it, um, gelling together all the styles that we do have within our club. But there's, um, you know, JB Graham does wonderful stuff, particularly with Jordan. Um, Lee Edwards works up, uh, you know, a lot with this guy called Nick Hayes, who's an amateur at the minute. But trust me, he's going to come on the scene and make waves as a pro. Um, um, you know, we really are a club of collective coaches that just work really, really well together. We just fire on all cylinders at all time. It's what Lee Edwards has sort of become the, the daddy of the group. He's the older one of the group that sort of keeps us lot all in line. Um, I'm sort of the MMA strategy mind behind it all. J.B. Graham's the one that we respect for, because of his, his knowledge for the whole striking system. Um, and Alex, he's just an incredible wrestler that's just got so much passion. When people have one-to-ones, which I advise them to, to ha- have on with this guy, you know, they'll pay for an hour. He'll be on the mat with you for an hour and 45 minutes just because he's so excited that you're taking interest in his passion of wrestling. And he's willing to adapt it for the MMA too. You know, so he asks me questions about the MMA to try to make wrestling fit better. So as a collective, we really are still evolving together as a relationship, not just as friends but as um, coaches alongside each other to produce the best MO team we can. Absolutely. It's so cool. I really, uh, really thank you for sharing all that. It's real cool. Um, But you've got to promise me you're going to come down and have a look at it, Jim. Yeah, I will. I will. (laughs) I want to, uh, I obviously. We'll look after you there. We'll go out for some food. It'd be nice to meet you in person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe I should have asked you that off air, but I'm going to to make sure you do it. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? (laughs) I'm gonna do a do a do a little tour of England. I think I gotta yeah, yeah. go to Middlesbrough to see Andy, and I'll go up to Northampton to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. Maybe tour. you can do it as an attachment to your, your to your podcast. I don't know if that's possible to do. Yeah, actually, yeah. do one where you're actually at our gym. Yeah, it'd be great to be show awesome. your facilities. Um, you know, I've spoke about you a lot in in terms of our gym, and you get your name's being bantered about a lot anyway. I know Jordan's interested in um, getting in contact. I think he's been in contact, maybe. Yeah, I think I, I spoke yeah. to Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I yeah, really good. As well. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. And um, I'm sure you're going to have a real good podcast with him. But you know, all these guys know of you, and they would love to meet you in person. I think it'll just consolidate all that we do here on the podcast and make it even more natural. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be up for doing that. I have to work out how long it takes to get from Cardiff to Northampton, but I don't think it's, yeah, yeah. it's not too bad. But yeah, um, yeah well, I... I looking to do that i think this year certainly is uh yeah. maybe do one of these in person up yeah. uh, up your way and i'm going to try and do one with andy in person up in yeah yeah middle of say, as well you'll be well received you won't have to worry about it. if you want to stay overnight i can sort all that out um but yeah you've been asked on air so you've got to do, do it, it this year now, do it now <laughs> um guys check out uh www.bstacademy.co.uk for more more information 
about Danny's uh, the academy and the work they do and everything that uh, is available through them. Uh, today's show was brought to you by Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. Please visit their website, awaydayapparel.co.uk. I'll put the links in the description as well. Uh, and I highly recommend give them a follow on Twitter at Away Day Apparel and uh, Instagram at Away Day underscore apparel. 2020 is going to be a very interesting and exciting year for the brand. And as a special treat for listeners and viewers to Ace Podcast Nation, if you use the code AA Podcast Nation, you get 10% off all orders. Uh, it's all make sure you do the code all in lowercase, and that's AA Podcast Nation. Follow me, Facebook.com slash Acecast Nation, Twitter at Acecast underscore nation. Uh, most of all, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, and I really, really, really appreciate it. The, uh, the best way to support us as a, as a channel and as a show with the Danny Batten Show and all the other different series we do is to subscribe on YouTube. Um, the magic number is 1,000 subscribers on YouTube to be, to be able to really push it to the next level. We're currently on 599, I believe. So we're kind of halfway there. But uh, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a subscription on there, if you click the bell, then you'll get a notification every time we go live or we upload a new show. Uh, Danny, thank you for joining me again. Pleasure, sir. Uh, it's always a good time. I think I'm trying to. So I think we've got a weekend off next week, right? Uh, and then the following week we've got John Jones fighting February the eighth. Oh, yes, it'd be an interesting card that way. Absolutely. And then there's a good uh, there's a good women's fight on there as well. With the, I think it's Valentina Shevchenko. All um, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And Derek Lewis is fighting as well. Um, and we've also got some other events coming up. We've obviously got the UFC London card. We've got the Bellator Island cards. There's lots and lots of good fights. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson in April. Oh, wow. Yeah, Ades Adesanya versus Romero in March. <laughs> Woof. Lots of good stuff. Um, guys, is. if you prefer us doing kind of some of the, the smaller shows as well, then uh, you know, hit me up whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or private message and tell us. Um, or if you just rather stick to the, you know, the big pay per views, then let us know what you prefer. But uh, yeah, Danny, thanks for joining me, mate. Yeah, thank you, sir. Another good weekend, Indeed. good chat, and we'll speak to you. Uh, speak to you soon, guys. Thanks for watching, listening, however you do, and uh, we'll see you next time. Network.